Good morning, and welcome to O Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 17th. I'm sorry, January 17th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 12, the first full paragraph that begins, Despite the Living Example. Um, today's readers are Sharon, Marita, Kim, and uh, Penny C. will read the 12 steps, and Sandy will read the 12 traditions. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, January 16th, is 5780. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Penny C. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Penny C. 
Um, I will now ask Sandy to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. This is Sandy, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, (laughs) an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much, Sandy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery Uh, described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 12, the first full paragraph that begins, um, despite the living example of my friend. Um, I will now ask Sharon to begin reading. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Kathy, and good morning to all on the line. Welcome. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Despite the living example of my friend, 
there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature. But I resisted the thought of the czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. So here's a very important concept, and this goes, this conversation, this idea of God starts on page nine when Ebby, who is standing there fresh and 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 uh, looking uh, recovered, he's he's not drinking any longer, and he says when Bill asks him why he's not drinking, Ebby smiles on page nine, it says, and uh, simply but smilingly, he said, I've got religion. And so this started Bill thinking and going over this whole idea of religion and then the thought of God. And he just is saying here that he has such a difficult time with it, as many others, many people that we encounter when we are are looking to share what we have received with others who need it and want it, but will find that they're in the same position that Bill is in, where this whole concept of God is just elusive. It just it just turns people away. It it says here that it it created a certain antipathy, which means a hostility even. It means an aversion, repugnance. Just, ugh, I just don't want to think about it, talk about it. God, people think of their childhood. It just brings all sorts of emotions in many people. And in other people, it it is soothing. It says, oh, God, I know it. I can get this. I can do this. So and and we find that those people end up having difficulties for a different reason, uh, as they can get started quickly, but then they hit a place where they have to come to terms with this concept of a personal God themselves. So there's those people that have a difficult time beginning when they think about God, and there's those that group of people who can begin quickly because they they feel like they know it, but then. They find as they go into the program, they ha- they too have to have to come to a different awareness. So here it says that the the thing that really got to Bill was this concept of a God personal to me, and that's what each of us will have to deal with with our recovery. The the other thing that I find interesting is when we read the 12 steps of recovery, we find that it begins, it, it we admit it, we were powerless, it doesn't talk about God. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves, and this is this is the introduction, that a power greater than ourselves, so that's step two. 
So we we don't have to, in order to begin our recovery, we don't have to deal with the word God. It's a power greater than ourselves. That's all that we have to identify with. So this paragraph is just making us aware that that it in order to recover there has to be this personal relationship with God. However, we need to understand and be aware as we are talking with people that that word God is going to bring up all sorts of emotions. Ebby had a way of dealing with it, which was to be straightforward and open and allow time. He prepared Bill by calling ahead, making sure Bill had time. There was time to address the issues that were going to be raised when he mentioned the word God. If you don't have a lot of time, you don't have a plan, be careful about using the word. In conclusion, I want to say, just because it's going to raise this antipathy is not a reason to not address it. At some point in our rooms, we in OA, oftentimes, because it raises antipathy in people, we don't want to use the word. Be very, we, that is not a way to deal with it. What we have to do is to use the word, be sensitive that it's going to raise this aversion in people, and then address it. Find a way to be open and, and to be prepared to, to allow people to go through the same type of process that Bill has gone through. So let us not avoid dealing. We have to deal with God if we're going to recover because that is the way through a power greater than ourselves that, that we can call God or we can call whatever we want. But it has to be through a power greater than ourselves that we find recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. (laughs) Okay, so let me see. I heard Laura from Pittsburgh. Katie from Boston. Right, Katie from Boston. Who else? Nancy from Boston. Nancy from Boston. Okay, we'll start with those three then. Laura, go ahead. Okay, you can hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh compulsive overeater. This paragraph is is jam packed. I'm going to okay. Where are we? So so first some so if you have a pen you might want to write these in your book if this helps. This is what I did. Some vocabulary. When they use the word the vestiges in the second line, I wrote traces of something lost. So there remained in Bill traces of something lost of his old prejudice. <clears throat> when they used the word antipathy, I was told to write distaste. So the word God still aroused a certain distaste for him. When they used the word czar in the, the third to last line, I was told to write absolute roller. You know, Bill resisted the thought of an absolute roller of the heavens. And then finally, the word sway. However, loving his controlling influence. I was told to write controlling influence. And then 
I also have an asterisk at the after the word way and the, the last word in the paragraph. And and I wrote at the top, Bill didn't like the concept of a God and human form and him being an absolute roller of the universe, but could accept a formless spiritual force as his God. And for me at the time, this was true. This was true. As well, we I was also told um, to write this at the top, at the top of my paragraph, another asterisk. And I have written, if you're having trouble with the conception of God, try one of these words that are capitalized on this page and also on page 46 in Bill's story. Circle them while reading as you find them. I was told to put that, that footnote after the word God in the third line. And so on this page, and don't worry about page 46. We're on page 12. We're on page 12. Stay to page 12. But on page 12, I circled God, God, creative intelligence, universal mind, spirit of nature, absolute ruler of the heavens, his, God, power, God, him, God, him, his, and he. I circled those. Because at the time, I was having trouble with the conception. But I could grasp something like spirit of nature. I could grasp something like universal mind and power, higher power. That was wonderful for me at the time. And and finally, finally, Bill uses the word personal. There might be a God personal to me. We recall on, on page on page ten, page ten, when they talked of a God personal to me who was love, superhuman strength and direction. I became irritated and my mind snapped shut. So so here I also have a footnote for on page 10. Webster's Unabridged Dictionary describes personal God as a human-like self-conscious being, as a personal God, as a personal God. So, so Bill had prejudice. He had prejudice against, we already saw, we already saw he had prejudice against a human-like form, an absolute ruler of the universe, but he could accept a formless spiritual force. And for me, that was true. So so for what might be helpful, if you're going through this paragraph and you're struggling, what might be helpful, what was helpful to me was to define words I did not really understand and to ask questions, ask questions, you know, do I relate? Does the spirit of nature work for me? Did my mind snap shut against certain words? So, um, okay, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Katie? Kathy, did you say Katie B? I did. Okay, I'm sorry. I was unmuting while you were speaking. At the okay. Computer. Anyway, hi, guys. It's Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater from Boston, Mass. And um, I guess I just wanted to take a little bit of a different angle at this. Um, so, yeah, I was filled with prejudice when I came into these rooms and um, before I did the steps, when I was abstinent, still filled with prejudice. And what are prejudice? Adverse judgment, opinion, formed beforehand without knowledge or examination of facts. Hmm. Sounds a little bit like page 568. There is a principle which is a bar against self-information, which is proof, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. The principle is contempt or dislike or defiance or disrespect or disregard prior to investigation. So the minute I heard about God, 
I was immediately, for me, I was immediately disgusted. I was like, I'm too smart for God. There's no such thing as God. If there is a God, then why am I having this problem? I've always prayed for him, and he never took away my fat. He never, he never let me be thin and eat too. These are all the things that I wanted. He never took me out of my family. He never took, he never did this for me. No, no, no. I had my huge list, right? I had my three-year-old Katie, Katie list. What God didn't do for me, right? And I came in here, and I was like, mm, okay, well, you know what? I, you know, my God idea is not is not working. And what I was taught through the steps, thank you, God, is, you know, if you if you have something, if you have a gadget that's no longer working, right? What are you going to do? You're going to get rid of it. You're going to go to the store and tell them you need a new gadget. Well, when I came in here, I was willing to believe that my idea of God, that a God who failed me, was not big enough, was not helping me, was not supporting me. And all I knew was that what I was doing wasn't working. And so it was good enough, like, to just know, to hang on to the fact that, yeah, I knew there was something bigger than me. I knew that my concept wasn't big enough, and thank you, God, what I came to see is that my concept of God was filled with what? The manifestations of self, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Because all I could think about with God is what he wasn't doing for me, right? Where am I selfish? I want God to obey me, to, you know, give me all these superhuman powers to let me eat, and, you know, I'm only going to go to God when I'm desperate, when I need him, when I'm in pain, Right? And what I found is, is that by doing the steps, I got broken open and I got to have a personal relationship with God of my understanding. And today it isn't what is God doing for Katie. It's what Kate, is Katie doing for God. And thank you, God, too. I'll just close with this. I'm open today, right? I'm open to any prejudice that are coming into my life today and blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not white as snow. I'm recovered, but I still can have prejudice. What is a prejudice? It's an, it's an old idea. How old is it? Maybe yesterday, maybe five minutes ago. It's an idea that's no longer working. And can I, on a regular basis, stay abstinent and work the steps so that I can see where I am being blocked by my selfishness, by my dishonesty, by my resentment and by my fear. And so I'll just say, if you don't have a God right now, that's okay. Keep coming. You get to you get to go on this journey with the rest of us and have a God of your understanding and see what's no longer working and get a get a concept that is going to blow your mind off. You know, like my life today is beyond my wildest dreams and I owe it all to God. Thank you so much, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie Z. Uh, Nancy, you're next. Hi, this is Nancy A. from Boston, and uh, you can hear me, right? I can. Thank you. Great. Um, I am sharing because, uh, among other things, I haven't shared yet, so if I can get right in there. Um, I find that I'm part of the massive movement away from religion and towards spirituality. Um, I think religion for me is tricky because um, I went to Hebrew school um, where I learned how to, <laughs> to read Hebrew like I could make the right sounds, but 
frequently I didn't know what I was saying and I really didn't have a process of reflecting on it. Um, so I never really thought of myself in terms of the S word, which is spiritual. Um, and uh, sometimes I take on this idea, um, which I think really isn't, mind to take on. I get concerned about people coming into program because on the one hand, we refer to God um, saying God <laughs> and uh, as a, you know, with a male pronoun. Uh, and then um, at some point, the person will hear uh, that it can be the, the power of the group or simply a power greater than oneself. And um, I just get concerned that uh, about that, although since I appreciate the uh, historical quality of the steps, um, I can totally understand uh, why we do what we do. And, um, and also I can, I can grasp that I frequently take excess responsibility and it's a terrific opportunity for me to let go. Um, so I guess I feel like um, for me, it's not a progression towards religion, um, but towards a, a power greater than myself. I don't know if it's higher, lower, larger, <laughs> inside, outside. Uh, it's a journey. Um, and uh, for me, it's about turning it from words into a feeling, figuring out how to pray in a way that feels meaningful so that the words don't get in the way of my, my feeling and cultivating the habit of remembering power greater than self, not self. Um, it takes a lot of pressure off, or, off of me when I'm, you know, when I'm faced with a decision and uh, there have been times where I just forget about it. And I'm fortunate to have a sponsor who is just really flexible with um, language and really um, supports me in that journey. Um, I guess that's it for now. And uh, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, Nancy. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Janice. This is Janice. Go ahead, Liz. Janice. Thank you, Kathy. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. This whole paragraph is, is um, despite, which means even though, even though there's living proof before me, even though there are recovered people on this line, okay, um, Bill still had his prejudices and was questioning it because he's in the process now between one and two. Okay. The thing I remember is, gee, when I came in and, that, that's, and I saw that second step, I thought, oh, golly, I have to believe this? No. This is not what this step is all about. Ebby did not tell Bill, this is how you're supposed to believe. That was the last, he never even mentioned that. He didn't say, I'm going to define that power, and this is what you have to believe. He didn't say that. 
and you don't have to understand it. Oh, my goodness. So that was good. So now it's up to Bill. See, Bill was still rationalizing. I have since talked that last sentence. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. Well, you know, this sounds like a justification on his part. But you see, this says came to come to believe. When you're going on a journey, you're going and you're coming to. You're not there yet. Some of us, we're not there yet. And this is what, what's so beautiful about it, because you don't have to be there yet. You just have, an, have to have an open mind, like I did. Thank God. Okay. Somebody said, you don't have to understand it. So I have an open mind, and I'm willing. And then let it go and see what the process of the steps turns out, and you'll be surprised. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Um, who else would like to Larry? share? I'm sorry, who is that? Uh, Larry. Okay, Larry, thanks. Go ahead. I think there was someone before me. Oh, okay. Who was before Larry? Uh, Why don't you go ahead, Larry? Larry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. One one second. I I do apologize. Let me uh, take this off a speakerphone. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, this is Larry, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from uh, Chicago. You know, it reminds me. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It reminds me uh, when I was going through my education process. Um, the latter stages. Uh, just this, this brings me back a little bit. And I was I was working on, you know, doctoral studies, and um, and I remember I was I was freaking out during the period of time because you know it was a long process and uh, many many years. And you know we're we're getting toward towards the end, but I, I I didn't necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember they said you know you have a committee and. Um, you have kind of a doctoral advisor, right? This person that's been through the process, it sort of keeps you sane and helps to keep you sane. Of course, I was restless, irritable, and discontent during that process for sure. I was practicing the disease. But tying this back to what we're reading, I remember they said, Larry, look, whether you prove your hypothesis or you prove what they call the null hypothesis, N-U-L-L, you disprove your hypothesis, it doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, guess what they call you when you finish this process? Doctor. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that put me at ease. And so where I tie it back to this is, you know, I went in uh, to this process of, you know, spirituality thinking it was an all or nothing. Was there a God? Was there not a God? Was there a higher power? What was it? I spent all this time, maybe, maybe you can relate, trying to figure out, is this, you know, am I being, uh, you know, am, am I, is, 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 are you putting one over on me here? Because, you know, for me, nothing's worse than that. Don't you dare put one over on me. So I'm going to spend days, weeks, months analyzing this and everything else surrounding this. And it was only until I just accepted that, when I work through these steps, you know what they call me at the end of it? 
and I, I mean, I say this facetiously, but I, I really mean it today because I've experienced it recovered. I accepted it. You know, just on pure, blind, unscientific faith. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. So much in life, I, I don't know what I don't know. I see other people that, that seem to have recovery, but then again, maybe they're all a bunch of plants. You know, they're, they're here uh, to make me, uh, you know, put one over on me again. You know what, but, but as I hung around, I hung around these rooms. Of course, I was looking for, you know, I would see every so often a person that was restless, irritable, and discontent that spoke with authority. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. There's my evidence. What I, what I looked for, I found. But when I really focused on those people that really had a spiritual recovery, I mean, it was unmistakable, the look in their eyes, how they behaved, the integrity. You know, if you really follow them around, the integrity. And why were they here? Why do you need to be here anymore? You know, Leia, others, what, 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 why? What are you doing here? You graduate, you move on. No, they come. What, for my benefit? Maybe. And maybe they would tell you, yes, you know, at this point, you know, they want to serve. But um, they also come, I believe. I, I, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I think, I think the reason they continue to come is because they know that, um, that their recovery depends upon it. I don't care if it's 20 minutes, 20 years. I met a guy with 55 years of sobriety in AA. You know, um, they come, you know, and, and, and I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that by working these simple steps is what would give me the recovery, not thinking about it and analyzing it and finding everything wrong with it, just accepting it. And that was so hard for a guy like me because I really wanted to be a person that could explain to you why it didn't work. You know what didn't work? My life didn't work. Anyways, I'm so grateful that I, I put my uh, research hat down and my analytical mind down just for long enough to let whatever this is, call it God, universal mind, spirit of the universe, whatever whatever's going on there, I don't need to be right anymore. I don't need to know precisely, I just know that by working these steps, I had, something happened to me. I don't know what the words are to describe it. Something happened. I'm not the same guy. Follow me around. I don't know. You know, or maybe I'm just showing up and I'm just kind of, I got nothing better to do, right? Anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Let's uh, move on to the next two paragraphs. Marita, would you them for us? Um, there's some uh, background noise, and everybody make sure you're mute. And Okay, great. Marita, can you read for us? Yes, thank you, Kathy. I'm Marita from Virginia, compulsive overeater recovered. <clears throat> My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That's statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. So here is that revolutionary idea that Abby presents to Bill that helps Bill bust through 
his old prejudice, his prejudgment, his uh, hardened, um, closed-off mind. Now he's experiencing an opening, uh, the melting of the icy intellectual mountain. So there's a sense of sunlight coming in where he'd been closed off and in the dark. Now light is breaking through. There's a crack. There's a crack in this intellectual armor in his ego system that has been shrouding him and keeping him in the dark. All of this is starting to fall away because because he isn't being forced to believe something that he has already rejected and can no longer stomach, something from his childhood, some old idea about what God is. And now he's being asked to take the responsibility to come up with his own understanding. And we each are on our own spiritual path, our own journey. And nobody else but us can come up with the conception of a higher power that's going to really, really work for me. I have to be the one. It is my job. They say this is an inside job, and it absolutely is. And it's, you know, for those of us who have been running from responsibility all our lives, that would be me, um, it's a scary proposition that I have to be the one. Nobody's going to tell me what it is. And, of course, I love being told so that I can tell you, no, it's not. You know, I could always say no, but I couldn't come up with what would help me choose yes. So I, um, I, I understand how this works. It, it only works if I'm the one driving my own spiritual growth. I have to be looking at my experience, not trying to adopt somebody else's or borrow somebody else's. I, I'm the one that has to sit down on my futon and meditate. I'm the one that has to call on whatever warm, fuzzy idea I have about whatever it is, what this force is that's going to get between my hand and my mouth when I need it most. And, um, and Bill is able to embrace this. I remember a Joe and Charlie tape talking where Charlie says, you know, um, I never had an idea I had that I didn't like. So <laughs> we're asked to come up with our own idea so that there can be no resistance to it, no, uh, no objection to it. Um, and there's that saying that says, seeing is believing. But if you flip it around, this is more my experience. Believing is seeing. Until I was willing to begin to believe, to take a leap of faith, I couldn't see anything. Everything I looked for, I looked for the closed door, the slam, the, the no, this isn't working. Only when I started to be willing to hope, to say, okay, maybe, this maybe could be true for me, that's when it opened enough for me to be able to see what was happening, what was already happening. So we're just asked to open up. 
Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. Sarah? Hi, Julie. Okay, I didn't get... uh, Sarah was the first, I believe, and Julie second. Go ahead, Sarah. Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarah, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Kathy, for your service today. It's good to hear you on the line. Uh, I'm so grateful to be on the meeting today, and I love uh, the second step. And I love the paragraph, uh, the first one that we just read, where it says, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And I notice also in that paragraph that it does say it's suggested. And I think that is key to assisting people in finding their way through the 12 steps. It's a suggestion that we make. Uh, You know, I don't know about you, but as an addict, I'm a very, very rebellious personality. And, uh, you know, I want to make my own way through what I want to do. And when somebody suggests something, that's much more soft than telling me I have to do something. And I think that's one of the reasons why this worked for Bill. Um, and, and I love the way it talks about, you know, he, he's so beautiful and poetic in the way he puts this. You know, he talks about how it melted the icy intellectual mountain, you know. Uh, I mean, the, the prose in this is so beautiful. And, and after it melted, there he stands in the sunlight at last. You know, what beauty, I mean, just to picture that. But I wanted to discuss just briefly what I was told, first of all, the, the principle behind the second step is hope. And and I love the idea of when I come to, you know, I'm coming to, it's like I've been asleep and I'm awakening. And And then, you know, my sponsor many years ago told me that I could construct my own higher power. And that was so uh, important for me. Uh, and she told me that I could use three or four characteristics of what a higher power would be for me. And she gave me certain guidelines that helped me. And she said, suspend all my beliefs in, of the past. And then she told me that God is either everything or nothing. And then the third thing she told me was, whatever you worship, you'll tend to become as. And those three things were so important for me. Because like so many of us, I came in with a lot of dogma uh, from religious backgrounds. And I guess for me, you know, God never did what I wanted God to do. This was not the way my life went. And, you know, I was a demanding personality, a child uh, that that was like a screaming tantrum thrower. And so what, um, what I left behind was all that and... You know, the, the idea, and it does say it in the big book, uh, you know, God is either everything or nothing, and I believe that. But when I did construct those those ideas in my, uh, and wrote it down, it was kind of like a, a wanted list for what I needed God to be for me, and that really helped me so much. And maybe it will help one of you, but, you know, today I know that, you know, I don't walk alone, that, um, that I, I am filled with grace, and I am so grateful for it. And, um, you know, not only about the food, but about my life and about all the gifts that I have today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Hi. Can you hear me? Is this Julie? Hi, this is Julie. Hi, this is Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater in California. Julie, wait one second. Who else is trying to get in? 
I apologize. I was trying to figure out why nobody could hear me. I don't care when I was calling, but that's okay. Now you can hear me. Thank you. Go on. Go on. You want to speak after Julie then? Okay, Julie, go ahead. Hi, Julie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, the one sentence, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And as we see, it's in italics, and that's what Bill's way of really pointing something out. He really wanted it to stand out. And it's like, you know, my conception, which is, you know, the ideas and the beliefs that I had about God, of my understanding at that time, was, was not a God that I was going to seek in all things. Um, it was a God of my childhood, and it wasn't something that, that had helped me with my life. Um, and as I was, when I returned the program in November of 2012 and really got into working and taking action with each and every one of these steps, I got to create my ideas and my thoughts about what God was and what God is. And I love how Bill just depicts that in, in the we agnostics later on. I mean, God is or God isn't. Um, and now that conception, my God that I have today is not a, a religious God. It's a spiritual God. And, um, you know, as Bill said that earlier on, you know, he could go for the creative intelligence, universal mind of spirit of nature. And, you know, today I can say, yes, God is the most important thing in my life. Um, and as a result of my relationship with my conception of God, I'm able to stay stopped with the food every day. I'm able to stay stopped with inappropriate behavior. I'm able to stay stopped every day with overspending. But it was only when I got to figure out who my God was. Um, this is such a powerful program, and I am just so excited to be here with everybody. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. Paula Joe, would you like to share? Press star one. Are you there, Paula Joe? Okay, this is Kathy. I'll take a, a brief share. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um and um I really have appreciated all the shares I've heard today. What I want to add is that it took me um, a very long time to be willing to actually put on paper what I wanted my personal God to be. Um, And the way I became ready to do that was to listen to others who had done that for themselves. I remember my sponsor suggested that I ask other recovered compulsive overeaters um, how they went about defining their own God personal to them. And um, it sparked in me uh, new ideas and it, that could um, help me move away from my own prejudices. Um, and that, and then beginning to uh, listen and think for myself about what I would need in my own personal God, finally led me to a definition that I could embrace. 
And what I'm noticing now is, and people who are recovered longer than I am, tell me that over time my conception of God may change. Um, And I am experiencing that. Um, As I change, what I need from my personal God changes as well. So as others have said, it's really, really uh, a wonderful gift that we get to do this for ourselves um, and are not asked in any way to buy into someone else's conception. And with that, I pass. Anyone else? Leah. Okay. I hear Leah and who else? Liz and Anya. Leah, Liz, and Anya. Okay, Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? (laughs) You know, uh, it's an opportunity as I read this for gratitude. I always think about, uh, you know, what if Ebby hadn't uttered those words? (laughs) You know, would you and I be on the line today? you know, it, it is the silver bullet of AA, uh, that line. And, um, you know, when I think about my process with this, um, you know, I was raised in a very cerebral, intellectual environment. Everything had to be analyzed and everything had to make sense. And I never really figured it out and, uh, you know, had eaten myself, uh, you know, closing in on the gates of death or insanity, you know, when I came into this program, uh, you know, I was a very, very, very broken young woman, an empty shell of a human being. I had been caught in the web, in this tangled web of compulsive overeating uh, and all its kicks for nearly two decades Um, You know, and when I ate myself almost to death or insanity, there I stood in a locked facility with a plastic band around my wrist. And, uh, you know, the big book uh, says that when we're faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon become as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. Um, You know... Alcohol was a great persuader. My binge foods, this disease and all its ramifications and consequences and torture had beaten me into a state of reasonableness. And I was going to have to be willing to believe in a God even though I had no concrete evidence and no particular feeling about it. You know, this was going to be a very thin and obscure and empty shift in in my thinking. I was going to have to make a decision without knowledge, which was totally something that, uh, you know, was foreign to me, having grown up in the environment that I was raised in. I was going to make a decision without any knowledge and without any evidence and without any particular feeling or certainty. All I knew was I was dying. I was dying. (laughs) That's it. I was dying. You know, I had, I had, uh, you know, beaten myself up. I had, uh, you know, created all this pain. Nobody was doing this to me. 
Nobody was doing this to me. I was the creator of my own pain. No one was doing this to me, and yet I continued to worship my thinking mind and my ego. And there I stood with a plastic band around my wrist in a facility that, that I could not escape from. So I made a decision, as small and weak as it was, to base my life on the, on the assumption that if this gentleman who was recovered from a merciless obsession with alcohol, if his life had been saved and if uh, these words sprouted from the big book, then as far as I was concerned, it was true. And this eliminated masses, massive amounts of doubt and uncertainty for me. Because the reality was that a life based on the belief that God exists was going to be far superior to a life without that foundation. Because I was evidence of that. <laughs> so, so, you know, <laughs> Leah, what are you fighting over? You know, my problem was not going to be one of trying to prove and uh, understand and completely wrap around wrap my brain around this intellectually, my new problem was going to be to act as if this all was true and to stop acting as if it wasn't true. And of course, that process was going to be through the steps. You know, he just kept telling me, Leah, don't worry about, quote unquote, taking step two. Step two will take you. The big book at this point, why don't you choose your own conception of God? There is a spirit of accommodation here. It is all-inclusive, never exclusive. At this point in the text, the big book is gentle. One does not have to believe. Only be willing to believe. Willing to believe. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Liz, go ahead. That's star one. Hi, this is Liz um, from New Hampshire. Um, these are two of my favorite lines, I think, in the book because uh, they really open the way for me, um, coming from a very uh, punishing concept of God. And um, I think that I really, I think this is just, you know, I just bless. The, the writers of the big book for putting in these lines because um, I was able to completely abandon my concept of God and develop a new one. And I recently, having done step three, also wrote um, a want ad for God. And it was wonderful because I was able to really put down on paper who I wanted my, who I wanted God to be in my life. And when I, you know, the most important thing I, I want God to be is my partner, my friend. Um, you know, that, that to me is the most important thing. Um, and I also believe, too, that I have a part. I definitely have a part to play. You know, it's not a, it's not a, God doesn't do all the work. I do a lot of that work, and I have that understanding as well. But when I doubt that there is, you know, a higher power or a power greater than myself. Um, I can just think about the way my life has been thus far when I've been in charge. And so it's a choice between me and the proof I have when I listen to people who are recovered and who have chosen to do differently. And, um, well, 
proof is in people who have chosen to do differently. And so um, I am choosing to do differently, and I'm very blessed that I've made that choice, and I'll pass with that. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, thanks, Liz. Um, Enya, we're almost out of time. Would you like to take a quick share? Hello, this is Anna. Can you hear me? Yeah, if you could make okay. it a I I keep having problems with my phone. I apologize. I'm not trying to intrude. I just need to acknowledge uh, that I'm here and I'm grateful for uh, all the shares because I've been on here for some years. But me and this phone, I tell you, we're not getting along with or else it's some kind of way it automatically mutes. But I do want to say I thank God, the God of my own understanding today that – it helps me every day. It's it's a new concept of God that's in my life since I've come to the program. I think I came with a God, but I think it was my parents' God or somebody else's God. But now I have a God of my own understanding who loves me and acknowledges me, and I'm just so grateful that I was able to just get on for a little bit. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. This is Annette. Okay, Annette, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, who has shared. Uh, We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Kim, would you please read a vision for you? Thank you, Kathy. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.